You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1154 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday, and thank you as always for joining us on the podcast today. We'll break down what became a 106 to 93 loss for the Hawks in Los Angeles at the hands of the Clippers on Sunday afternoon. And uh, yeah, not great for the Hawks overall. Six and 13 in the last 19 games. A two and four road trip that included only one win on the West Coast, on one win of course in Cleveland, and a weird game as well. They're now 17 and 22 overall. And as Bogdanovich said after the game. Uh, this is not a team that's very good right now, and uh, we can all think, and I, I know I do, that the Hawks are better than this. I think if you look at their roster and last year's results and all that stuff, the Hawks are a better team than this. But right now, today, they're not playing very well, and it's not going very well. So we'll dive into all of that stuff. I know it's a little bit uh, a little bit of a dire uh, intro, but it's really true. It's kind of the mood around the team right now. You know, no one was happy after the game, as you might imagine. Players, coaches, fans. Try to be level-headed. I know that's my brand on the podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Uh, normally, when people are sky is falling, I try to bring things back up a little bit and give you the appropriate context. And I'll definitely do that on this podcast. But for the most part, it is tough to be terribly optimistic at the moment with how things have gone. But hey, they're coming home now, a couple days off, and uh, we'll reset that at the end of the podcast. So we'll dive into this one uh, in terms of pregame context. This is a back-to-back for the Clippers, which gave... Um, some extra optimism, I think, coming into the day for the Hawks is that the Clippers had to play yesterday. The Hawks did not. They were also in Los Angeles on Friday, so no travel in between games for the Hawks. And also, the Clippers had not been playing very well before this one. They had lost three games in a row. They're playing without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Luke Kennard, who is uh, kind of a Hawks killer in the past. And and the Hawks were uh, banged up as well, but they are definitely healthier now than they have been the last few weeks. Um, one notable change to the injury report was that Clint Capella was listed as doubtful and then did not play in this game with an, with an injury. Uh, obviously, he tweaked it a little bit on Friday, had to leave the game, and uh, wasn't a huge surprise he didn't play. But at the same time, uh, his long-term prognosis will be interesting. Uh, the fact that he was not just listed as, uh, as out is probably good, but um, they definitely missed him in this game, as we'll get into later on. Uh, Chris Gent returned to the bench for the Hawks in this game to be the acting head coach. Nate McMillan is uh, still in protocols, but Gent came out of protocols to lead the squad after Joe Prunty had been coaching the last few games before this. Um, other than Capella's injury, Gorgie Jang's still in protocol. He's been out for a while. And then they were, of course, still without Hunter and, Sol- and Solo. But the Hawks only had one primary center available in this game. That was a Kongwu. They managed to get through all 48 minutes, at least uh, in terms of the uh, competitive portion of this game, with either a Kongwu or Collins at center. But even before the game, the I guess the third-string center option would have been Jalen Johnson, as uh, Chris John, as Chris Jan kind of referred to. They brought Jalen at the very end of the game. But, um, yeah, it was a pretty shallow rotation. In fact, only eight guys played in a competitive portion. If you remove uh, Cam Reddish, who was injured, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, and also, I would say fairly interesting news in terms of the inactive report for the first time all year. Because the Hawks have been so banged up, they have had to make a lot of inactive decisions. You know, teams can't just have every single player on the roster active for every game. But in this game, they didn't have to do anything. They could have just had everybody that was available, all 13 guys that were healthy enough to play, could have been active. But Lou Williams was a late inactive. They didn't really say anything about this. I was actually the first one that noticed it and reported it. Um, 
Interestingly enough, though, uh, Lou was on the bench and um, not in uniform, but obviously because he was he was inactive. But he got a moment. He got a sort of moment of recognition, a, a tribute video by Bell L.A. It was the first time that he had gone back to the Clippers um, arena since being traded to the Hawks. Of course, he had been there previously for several years and played very well there. He's very well liked um, in L.A. as a result of that. It's a little bit out of the ordinary, though, because, the, again, the Hawks didn't have to make anybody inactive in this game. And Lou has not always played uh, well or, uh, in fact, he's actually said multiple times that he, he does not really enjoy afternoon games. This is a 12-30 game, and he's, of course, a, a veteran status kind of guy. Could just be that, but he was in the rotation for, on Friday. Um, Chris Jett was actually asked after the game and said that they did it, um, they, that they made him inactive, quote, out of respect, end quote. He didn't really elaborate on that, which is a little bit interesting, I will say. You know, he did say that Lou was not going to be in the rotation, which is not a huge surprise. We talked about that on Friday. Uh, it seems like, um, and I think this is the right decision to be to be clear and fair, that the Hawks have just kind of gone with DeLon Wright as backup point guard. That's the right decision in my mind. But I'm not sure why that means he needed to be inactive in this game. I don't know if he'll be inactive moving forward or what's going to be happening there. But he was inactive in this game. He didn't have to be. So that's something to keep an eye on. People are, of course, immediately asking me if he can be traded. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Luke, Luke can veto any trade. With, it, with his contract, sort of an implicit no-trade clause. Same thing that Solomon Hill has, um, where he could just kind of say no to any, to any trade. And also, uh, Luce kind of made it pretty clear in the past that he's going to retire if he doesn't want to play where he's going to be uh, signed or at least traded to. So I think at this point, this is me talking, uh, I would be surprised if Lou ever played another NBA minute with a team other than the Hawks or a team in Los Angeles. Um, I guess they're going to be a, a, a circumstance in which he got traded from the Hawks to do the Hawks a favor, and then maybe he would retire or be bought out and go back to LA, something like that. But um, I don't think Lou's going to just be traded somewhere like you know Milwaukee or uh, you know pick a pick a city and go play there. But anyway, I don't want to make too much out of it right now. But he wasn't active, which is interesting in this game. So with all that said. The Hawks were actually favored to win. And I think that was the right decision uh, by the bookmakers, honestly. Bet online, our friends there had the Hawks about three and a half, four point favorites, even without Capella. Because of what I said before, Clippers not been playing very well. They're not very uh, well uh, stocked in terms of their roster, back to back for LA, all that stuff. But obviously, they did not go well for Atlanta. So we'll dive into it now a little bit at the top. Um, they started Herter and Bogdanovich together, which is a proven successful group. It's not perfect in terms of just like archetypal stuff where uh, you want a little, bit, a little bit more defense if you can if you can help it. But in this game, you didn't really have to have that. So they went with the offensive lineup. And last year, especially, they used Herter and Bogdanovich as starters for a long period of time. And it was pretty successful. So no issues with that whatsoever. Um, they slot, of course, TLC into a smaller role. That makes sense as well. They, they, they seem to like came right off the bench. So uh, no one was really upset with that, including me, after they started TLC on Friday and got a lot of flack for that. Um, the Clippers actually didn't score well at the beginning of the game, given the Hawks a small lead, but they the Hawks woke up with a 7-0 run as well. The Clippers were 2 of 10 from the floor at the outset, and I thought defensively the entire night the Hawks were much better. Now, much better than they've been is not exactly the highest bar, but I think it was more like an average Defensive performance, um, which is a lot better than what the Hawks have been putting on tape recently. That was definitely the case early on. Um, Rotationally, they went with um, Gallinari and Reddish as the first subs, then TLC after that, and they kind of staggered. They managed to stagger Collins and Okongwu the entire game, which was the right decision because Collins was obviously the only backup center that they really wanted to trust in this contest. Um, The first big run from L.A. came with a 10-2 push late in the first quarter. They made a bunch of jump shots in in that time. Actually, I thought it was notable. I had some notes in my uh, on my document where I thought Cam missed two or three rotations in a row defensively. Just kind of looks sluggish, and then right after that, in, in a timeout, he, he looked to be a little bit hobbling, kind of holding his leg a little bit, and he went to the locker room. 
and it was listed as questionable with a right ankle sprain. That is the same ankle, by the way, and the same listing in which he missed the game in Portland. He was actually on the injury report on Friday as well. Ended up playing and was probable, but um, obviously that's a little bit concerning that it would be sort of a recurrence there. Gent said after the game he tweaked it, but he never returned, played three minutes in the game, and um, we'll get more on that hopefully this week. But for now, Cam's ankle was definitely a question mark moving forward. Um, and then overall, including that run by the Clippers, it was a 19-6 push by LA at the end of the first quarter to give the Hawks um, a deficit that they actually never would overcome. They never, they actually never, never led again after the first quarter. Um, defensively, um, you know things definitely settled in for the Clippers' offense. They made actually 10 of their last 12 shots in the first quarter, and the Hawks' offense though was uh, scuffling. We'll get into this later on, but I would say this is definitely an offense first loss for the Hawks, which is a change from previous games for sure. But they were down 12 early on in the second quarter. They used the lineup of DeLon Wright, Kevin Herter, TLC, Gallinari, and Collins. Again, an eight-man rotation for the most part in this game. Um, they had some nice action, I thought, with Gallinari getting towards the rim on a smaller defender that was effective. TLC, I thought, played well on defense in this game. They actually made a nice three early on. I thought TLC and Herter in particular were good defensively on the perimeter, which was a nice uh, add to the Hawks' overall sort of formula defensively. It was a roller coaster, but the Hawks were hanging around. They were down by only seven when Trey Young came back in in the second quarter. They cut it to three at one point because Bogdanovich had a huge first half. He had 15 points on his first seven shots, including three threes. He was very hot. And then both teams kind of made a bunch of shots late in the, late, late in the first half. The Hawks, and I will credit this to Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops for pointing this out. I think it's definitely right and watching it on film. But the Hawks didn't have their usual diet of pick and roll attacking to the rim, um, in part because the Clippers were really trying to take that away defensively. They were playing big with Zubac, who's very good around the rim. And uh, schematically, I thought Ty Lue had a good game plan defensively against the Hawks in this game. Uh, by the way, a former Hawks point guard, Ty Lue. Um, there was a nice defensive possession from Herter, which he blocked Amir Coffey shot. But Amir Coffey was red hot. He had a season high for points, and he did it in the first half. So that tells you a little bit about how that went. You know, the Hawks down by six at the half, and think defensively they were better before halftime. I really thought that. Um, but L.A. was making contested shots, and, you know, sometimes you can play defense and have it be bad results, and that kind of happened in the first half of this game um, because they made nine of, eight, nine of 18 from three, including eight of 12 on non-corner threes. That's just tough to overcome. There were still some breakdowns defensively for sure, which we'll get into later on as well, but uh, I thought it was better for sure. But Donovan struggled a little bit, treasured a little bit defensively, but I think it was overall pretty solid. And also no fast break points allowed in the first half, which is a, a big change in transition defense. Offensively, it was better in the first half than the second, that's for sure. It was just like kind of okay to good in the first half. They shot 58% from the floor in the second quarter. That was good to see. They did miss Capella on the glass, which we'll come back to later on as well. But Bogey had a nice half. In fact, it was a season high for points and a half for Bogdanovich with 15. And uh, in general, the Hawks were still in the game down by only six, despite some uh, real shot making from the Clippers in the first half. All right, before we dive into the second half of this game and much more on the show today, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, well, I'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022, and with the new year, we have new updated desktop and mobile websites to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. With football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline.ag for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports action. And again, 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, and the second half was not kind for the Hawks. Obviously, down six coming into the break and losing by, losing by 13 points. It was really the offense in the second half that kind of cratered for Atlanta. But there was some optimism early on. In fact, 
Uh, Herter and Young combined for six straight points early on. They cut, it to, they cut the lead to only two in the third quarter. And uh, Okongwu actually had a layup that was very makeable that would have tied the game early in the third quarter. It just didn't go down. And then, again, the Hawks never never were able to tie or take the lead again. Um, they started emphasizing Collins a little bit more, which is more effective. He was very anonymous. I don't think he was bad. I think he was kind of just quiet. Kind of They didn't focus him on him enough, in my mind, in this game. Uh, the Clippers, though, got it going a little bit. They had another three by Amir Coffey, who was, again, a certified Hawks killer in this game. And then the Hawks had three empty trips in a row offensively, including a turnover. L.A. hit back-to-back threes, and the Hawks go from down two to down 11. And uh, that ended up, you know, at the time, it was definitely not a great stretch. But in my mind, that was the stretch in which the Hawks kind of lost this game, where they were really in it, and then it got to double digits, and they kind of never had a chance to really, really cut it from there again. Um, they played the starters for like eight minutes to open the second half, which is way longer than normal in terms of a full unit. That almost never happens, honestly. They did make sure the stagger happened between a Collins and a Kongwu, but they went to Gallo and TLC a little bit later than usual. They had chances to cut it to the lead again, but the offense kind of betrayed them in the second quarter, in the second half of the third quarter, I should say. They had six points in the last six minutes of the third. Had a couple bad shots, a couple live ball turnovers, led to straight easy baskets for the Clippers, and that led to the Hawks being down 13. At the end of the third period, they were 8 of 19 from the floor and with no threes. Uh, not a single made three in the third quarter. That's definitely tough to overcome. And then rotationally in the fourth quarter, they, they kept with the stagger. Again, they had to play eight guys all, the whole half with uh, Cam unavailable. They didn't sit Collins very long in the fourth, but he and Trey both played the entire third quarter, and that kind of meant that they had to sit a little bit in the fourth quarter. Um, I want to make note of this quickly here. Um, I don't want to overemphasize it, but I think Trey sat for probably two minutes too long in the fourth quarter. Um and people were kind of, you know, really, really up, upset about this. And I noted it, and I think that's definitely the case. But I will just point out that, you know, if Trey had, if the Hawks had been able to close this game and be effectively in it, Trey would have played 37 minutes, which is more than his average. And uh, I pointed this out on Twitter, but the league leader in minutes is 37 and a half. So there's this notion that Trey's going to be able to play 40 minutes every night. That's not the case. I'll be, I'll be the first one to tell you if I think Trey should be playing more. In fact, I think he should have played more in this game. But it was really like a minute or two that I thought were kind of the mistake there. Um, and obviously a guy on, on the bench and Christian, he's not, he's not usually the head coach and all that stuff. So did that lose in the game? No, but I will note that during that stretch when Trey was off the floor, the Hawks had four possessions in a row, which they didn't score. And that kind of bit them a little bit. Um, they were down 14 with seven minutes to go. Again, I kind of rant and rave about it, but that, that was probably a little bit of a hiccup. Um, would they have won? Probably not. Um, down 18 though, with four minutes to go, kind of got away from them. In fact, they scored 33 points in the first 21 minutes of the second half. That is very, very ugly offensively. They were 1 of 12 from 3 at that point and ended up finishing the game 1 of 13 in the second half from 3. They scored 3 points in about 5 minutes to kind of have the game be absolutely over. And then they pulled the plug, went to the bench with like 2 and a half minutes to go. And it was probably over before that. So, again, like, I think it was really an offensive loss. And we'll get into that now. Um... They had a 103 offensive rating in this game, actually, during the competitive portion. It ended up being about 100 if you factor in garbage time. That is uh, very bad. That's, like, worse than the league level offensively. And throughout this whole stretch of time when the Hawks have been struggling, it's been the defense. And all season long, the defense has been bad. So I'm not going to say that's wrong because it was right. I've said the same thing. But in this game, the offense was the worst unit of the two. Um, they had back-to-back 20-point quarters in the second half. Um, they shot 40% from the floor and 1 of 13 from 3 in the second half. For the game, 45% from the floor and 27% from 3. That's pretty bad. Um, they also didn't get anything anything done at all on the offensive glass without Capella. They only re- rebounded 14% of their own misses. That is uh, about half of what they normally do. So that's very bad on, on, on the glass. Um, turnovers were not a huge problem. They had 13. That's about what they average, but not a great performance. And a couple of wide ball ones that definitely hurt them. And then 19 assists is well below the average as well. So... Um, 
some shot making stuff in there for sure. I think Capella as a rim runner uh, not being there probably hurt them a little bit. I know Capella has been lambo- lambasted for his offense this year, and that's you know, some some of that's accurate with his, with his finishing. But he definitely helps them as a as a guy who attracts attention. And again, credit to the Clippers for their defensive game plan. They had a good game plan in this game. They ex- executed it well. And uh, if, you look at, if you look at the way this game broke down, you know the Hawks were you know minus 14 with Trey on the floor, minus 13 with Collins on the floor. It wasn't, it wasn't like there was a huge split here in which they got killed with the bench. It was kind of just uh, everybody other than uh, the absolute garbage time guys that uh, struggled in this game offensively. Um, on defense, a 114 defensive rating is not great. Um, that's about what the Hawks are at for the year. So, again, not great by any means. But um, I thought the Clippers probably shot – as well or better than they probably should have in terms of their shot quality, in particular in the first three quarters. Uh, Amir Coffey, even Serge Ibaka hit two threes, Reggie Jackson a couple threes. Um, there was definitely some issues, for sure, um, and the glass was a problem. They allowed 31% offensive rebound rate to the Clippers, and that's, again, a Capella issue. But I will just say, like, they have a long way to go defensively, and this was not a panacea performance on defense, but I thought the perimeter guys were almost all better than usual, at least for this season. I think Trey was, like, not great, but probably as good or better than usual. I thought Herter was uh, notably better than he's been this year. I thought TLC did a good job. I thought Bogey was probably a little bit better. I think he's still not – he was still probably the weakest link on the, on the perimeter defense, um, even even more so than Trey in some instances in this game. But I thought that um, it was better in terms of you know, ball movement, uh, uh, sort of containment, um, dribbling containment on the perimeter, um, rotation rotations in terms of, like, getting where you need to be going um, – it was definitely more shaky with Gallinari out there, as you might expect. That's kind of just a personnel buy-in that you have to see. And if anything, I probably think he was maybe the worst defender that they had in terms of like overall impact. But when it was a Kongu and Collins, they did a good job defensively out there, and perimeter stuff was better as well. So uh, something to build on there, I would imagine. I think the tape, if you watch it back, is notably better in this game. But it wasn't dominant, and the offense let them down. So kind of a perfect storm in that respect. But, um, yeah, plenty to to get into in terms of uh, what the Hawks can be looking at. But I think on the whole, the defense was better. And uh, does that fix the entire road trip? Absolutely not, in that the Hawks have to be better defensively. But uh, there were these steps in the right direction towards this one. I will also say, if you want to be a counterfactual on this one, the Clippers' offensive personnel was not fantastic. They made a bunch of shots, don't get me wrong. But um, you know, without Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and, and, and even, even Luke Kennard, it's probably one of their top five offensive players. You know, a lot of a lot of Amir Coffey, a lot of Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Those guys are pretty good, but they're not, with the exception of Coffey, just kind of being red hot in this game. But they, uh, you know, gave up a lot of stuff to some you know reasonable guys, but nothing uh, nothing out of the ordinary. So anyway, um, the offense. I'm not worried about the offense. Let's just say, but uh, a bad night at a bad time for the offense. All right. Before we get to the player evaluation portion of the podcast and a look ahead briefly at the schedule for next week, a word from our sponsor of today's show, and the first of which is Built Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy, Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy, and by week three of eating healthy, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar, every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. 
Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. Okay, and the player stuff will be maybe a little bit shorter on this podcast because they only had eight guys really play. Um, they did have Mays and Johnson come in with the last two and a half minutes. I don't know why they, they didn't go to Sharif Cooper. Um, people were asking me. I don't really have an answer. He was active and in uniform, so they could have played him. I don't really uh, think that's a huge deal, but they didn't play, so I don't really know what's going on there. Um, Reddish played three minutes, did not uh, record a rebound, steal, assist, point of any kind. Um, I, th- I thought he struggled when he was in there and didn't look like himself physically. Again, kind of holding... Uh, holding the leg, holding the ankle, and didn't move very well. So I'm not sure if it was bothering him before the game or not, but he definitely tweaked it along the way in the first uh, in the first quarter. And uh, that's a tough one. Obviously, uh, he's been injury he's been injury dinged up in the past in all three of the seasons that he's played so far. I think um, it's not always been these long term injuries, other than the one that cost him a bunch of time last year. But uh, he has been banged up a lot. So we'll see how long this ankle thing happens. And it's, again, it's more concerning because he had just missed time with the same injury and gen- confirmed that it's the same injury. So. I'm not sure if it's a recurrence or what, but they'll have the opportunity to evaluate him in the next couple of days, and maybe we'll see if he's available on Wednesday. Um, elsewhere, I thought Gallinari really hurt them on defense in particular. Eight points, three rounds, and two, and, and sorry, one assist, and he was actually minus 18. Probably a little bit not necessarily indicative. He was by far the worst plus-minus guy on the team. Um, two of five from the floor, one of, oh, oh of one, I should say, from three, four of four from the free throw line. Uh, offensively, I thought he was fine. Defensively, he really hurt them against a team that's, uh, to be fair to him, it's a bad matchup against the Clippers. They played small. Uh, at least played, they, they basically played four out, I'll say. Maybe not small, but they played with four perimeter-based guys at the same time the entire game. They basically played Ibaka and, Zub- Ibaka and Zubac as their only centers, and they, have, they, they, never, they probably never played together, I think, maybe for a minute or two, but it was mostly you know, as big as they got with Marcus Morris, and there's kind of nowhere to hide uh, Gallinari against a guy like, you know, Batum or um, Terrence Mann or Amir Coffey. So a rough one defensively, nothing's, nothing surprising there, and uh, we'll kind of leave it there for now. Uh, DeLon Wright was uh, solid, four points, four assists, four rebounds, and 18 minutes, two or three from the floor. They had three turnovers, a couple of bad ones, so if you want to have a, uh, a negative viewpoint of something for, the, for DeLon, it was definitely that. But um, I think he was okay. Um, he played a little bit with Trey. That was uh, not not the worst thing in the world. I think that's kind of how they bridged the gap with only three wings. And by the way, if Reddish were to miss time on Wednesday, they might look into playing DeLon more at the two. Maybe put Lou back in the rotation, or they can go to Skylar Mays, or they can go just kind of try to get through it with three wings with TLC. So they have some options, but people were asking me what happens now if Reddish is out. Um, I think more of DeLon Wright is probably the, the number one thing that will happen. If Ken can't play, um, both behind Trey and next to Trey. But um, the, the question is, do they fill that spot with somebody else, whether it be Mays or Lou? So we'll come back to that when we need to. Uh, elsewhere, TLC played well, I thought, actually, in this game. 14 points, 4 rebounds, and a steal. 5-8 from the floor, 2-5 of five from 3, 2-2 two two from the free throw line. So 14 points on 9 shot attempts is very good. Um, and then defensively, he was good. So, like, I know it's been kind of popular to dunk on TLC um, on Twitter, but I thought he was... Uh, what are their better guys in this game? He definitely had a two-way performance. He'll have a player to every game that looks just awkward, and I get that's part of the part of the why people don't, people don't always love this. But 
Uh, he was deployed appropriately in this game. He would have played probably a little bit less than he did if Cam was available, but he shouldn't start. He did play a role in this game, and if Cam is out, he becomes the third wing, and he should be in that role. So I thought he played well. Um, that'll, that's it for the bench on the three guys that played. Um, oh, by the way, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I'll mention it one more time. If they had had any foul trouble in this game to a Kongwu in particular, they might have gone to Jalen Johnson at the five. In fact, Chris Gent, Chris Gent before the game mentioned that Jalen was going to be like kind of an option at backup five, if you, look at, if you look at the roster, the Hawks only had four guys I would describe as bigs available in this game. And uh, it was Collins, Akongwu, Gallinari. They all played, and, and then Jalen didn't. But because because Jang is still out, if, if Akongwu had gotten two fouls early or three fouls early, you probably would have seen Johnson at the five because uh, that he was kind of their only option there. So it's worth noting. I know everybody wants to have him play on the wing or play the four, but um, they like him as a big at, at some level. So he uh, could be seeing time at some point if Capella were to miss more time. And inevitably, they'll probably have a, a night at some point where Kong was in foul trouble. You could see uh, Johnson as a backup five option. Okay, uh, to these starters. It's kind of a mixed bag on some of these guys. Uh, we'll start with Bogdanovich. Had a good, had a good sort of big first half offensively. Ended up with 19 points, a tie for the uh, team lead with Trey. Six rebounds, three assists, two steals for Bogey. He shot well, three of eight from the from three, five of eight on twos. Um, efficient, productive. Defensively, not so much, but offensively, he was good in this game. So that's that's a good sign to have him getting uh, back to speed. I think he's got a long way to go defensively for sure, but um, you can definitely be reminded of the offensive impact that he can have when he's firing and being aggressive and hunting his own shot. That definitely happened in this game. Uh, Herter, I thought, played better than the line indicates. Uh, 11 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block for Kevin in 35 minutes. He would have played 38 minutes had the uh, game kept going. Uh, but 4 of 12 from the floor and 1 of 6 from 3, so uh, only 3 of 6 on 2, which is not terrible. But just didn't have a 3-point shot going in this game. But I thought defensively it was his best night in a while, so that's good to see from Herter, and I think he's been their best wing this year, as we talked about a little bit on Friday night's show. So uh, not going to write that off. I think he just had a bad shooting night, which is going to happen sometimes. Um, Okongwu was kind of interesting, I thought, in this game. Nine points, ten rebounds to lead the team, two assists. Um, three turnovers, though, a couple of weird uh, turnovers from, Okong- from Okongwu. Had five fouls in 38 minutes. Played a ton, as he should, without Capella. Um, I thought he was okay. I don't think he was great. I think he was quiet offensively. Rebounding-wise, he did his job to some extent, but it, it is notable because Capella is probably the best rebounder in the league. There's a drop-off there, and I kind of pushed back on this. People were kind of talking about how the Hawks are playing quote-unquote small ball, end quote, with uh, Okongwu. Um, I'll just say this. Okongwu's a center, so like it's not small ball if, he, if he's playing center. He's a center. That's his position. At some point, could he play the four maybe down the line? Yes, but right now, he is a center only, and it's not small ball if he's playing center. With that said, he's not very big. So him against Zubac is a tough matchup physically for him. I thought he played okay, but it wasn't like it was not an A plus game for Okongwu. He'll have better nights in the future. Collins also kind of struggled for, by his standards. Nine point seven rebounds, three to die from the floor, three to five from the free throw line. Just pretty quiet. I think he probably should have been more aggressive defensively. I think he was pretty decent, and uh, he's usually pretty solid at this point in his career. But I think that offensively, he needed to be better in this game than he was, and he was part of the problem along with a lot of a lot of other guys. To be fair, but um, definitely a below average night for John. And then Trey Young, kind of the same thing, 19 points, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 3 rebounds, but he was not efficient. He took 21 shots and only scored 19 points on 22 shooting possessions. That's not what you want in terms of efficiency. He was five of, sorry, 7 of 15 on 2s, 1 of 6 from 3. So uh, efficiency-wise, below average defensively, just kind of what he normally is, I would say. Um, and then, you know, I think he was pretty darn aggressive. I think at one point he might have had like 15 shot attempts in – 17 minutes, something like that. So he definitely uh, sort of ramped, uh, ripped it down a little bit in the second half, but um, not his best game either. So you look up and down the list in terms of like who played well on offense, it was pretty much just Bogdanovich. 
uh, and maybe TLC, I would say, as the guys who played above their normal level on offense, or at least at or, at or above. And guys like Collins and Trey and Herter, even Gallo, were all probably below their normal average. And that kind of tells you a little bit. It's definitely oversimplified in some level, but uh, that tells you what the offense of issue is like just guys did not play well, did not shoot well, et cetera, and that kind of left them cold offensively. All right, that's enough on this game, I believe. Uh, again, kind of a frustrating night at the office for the Hawks. Um, in a vacuum, this is not a terrible loss for Atlanta. It's not like the worst thing that's ever happened. But at the end of a road trip, it's always difficult. Uh, you know, people that are smarter than I am about being around basketball teams that I talk to, they will always tell you that the end of a road trip, and even the first game after a road trip, especially the last game, guys are just gassed. And the Hawks have been on the road for two weeks. That's tough. Um, it's not an excuse because the Hawks needed to win this game, and I think they probably should have won it, but it's just one of those things where it's not like a disastrous loss. But when you factor it in with everything else, again, they are now 6-13 um, and 13 in the last 19 games. That's tough. And um, I mentioned it earlier in, in the podcast, but guys were frustrated after this game. You can definitely tell they do have some time to regroup. The sky is not totally falling, but um, it would be accurate to say the Hawks are now fighting uphill in a big way. I know they kind of did this last year, but they uh, you know, have higher expectations this year. And 17 and 22 at this point would have been seen as a disaster, especially when you factor in like big picture. And we'll leave some of this for next week when we have some time in between games. But if I tell you that young Collins and Capella play, you know, almost all the games, like Trace played 35 of the 39 games, Collins has played 34, Capella's played 36. If those guys, if I, if I tell you the preseason, those guys play that much in the first 39 games and the Hawks go 17 and 22. I would have been, number one, surprised, and number two, disappointed. And uh, that's still the case. Um, they've, had, they've obviously had a lot of other challenges, so I'm not going to tell you anything else. Like They've probably had some wing issues. They've had some COVID issues. Hunter being out is a huge loss, et cetera. But um, it is still disappointing that the Hawks have been able to do what they've done on the scoreboard so far this year. So I don't blame the fans for being frustrated at that. I, I like to think, keep things in perspective, which is why I'm not going to like just let stuff go by when people are being irrational, which is going to happen sometimes. But... I think that is it's both true that the Hawks uh, have to be better than they've been so far, and also they still have what they can accomplish in front of them if they can just fix this in the near future. Okay, from here, the Hawks have two days off. Uh, two, I'm sorry, Monday and Tuesday. So they'll fly back tonight from the West Coast. They'll have probably a full off day tomorrow, I'd imagine, and then Tuesday back in the gym. Um, Wednesday, they play their first home game in a long time. In fact, they're playing... The first game, home game since December 27th, and even before that, that's the only game. So they played they, they play once at home since before Christmas. That's a long time. Um, it's, it's Miami. They actually play Miami Wednesday and Friday this week. Uh, Miami is good, so that's interesting. So that's an interesting measure, measuring stick, but they'll have some time to recover, and then a home game on Wednesday. Um, Podcast-wise, I'm planning to have um, a show or two in between now and Wednesday. I have a, a guest lined up that will hopefully come to fruition. Um between now and then, so look for a podcast. I would say at the absolute latest, I'll have a new show by Tuesday night, maybe even before that. But um, yeah, we'll have more content coming this week. And then over the weekend, I'm actually going to be traveling, so we're probably going to wrap up those two games. It's back-to-back the Hawks have on Friday and Saturday. That'll probably be wrapped up in a uh, in a single podcast over the weekend at some point, so I'm probably going to have one night, yes, just one night, when I don't have a, an immediate re- reaction podcast. But Hopefully everybody will survive all that. All right, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave five-star ratings, leave reviews. Um, also tell your friends about the show or tell your family or other Hawks fans that you might come in contact with. Follow us on Twitter as well, at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter if you would like to, at BT Roland. And we'll see you later on this week.